Greetings, everyone. This is a call to actions, and I am your host, Bobby Vaughn Jr. <clears throat> I'll be alone in the studio today, but I, I do have a guest, special guest, uh, all the way from, from Ottawa, Canada. And we're going to be investigating further, uh, furthermore, this global cyborg agenda. My guest, his name is James Scott McKillop. He's an investigative researcher and the owner of Barely Bruised Bookstore in Ottawa, Canada. So, for the first time on a call to actions, I'd like to welcome uh, James Scott McKillop. Care if I just call you James? Everyone can call me James, Bobby. I'm happy to have me here tonight. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Glad to glad to have you here. <clears throat> so, there's a, a certain. Um, initiative or agenda that we're going to be talking about. <clears throat> but before we get into that, uh, would you like to just kind of introduce yourself to the Call to Actions audience and why you got into researching uh, a global cyborg initiative? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, my name is James Scott. McKellop. Sorry, I have a sort of a speech impediment. Uh, but uh, I own Barely Brew Books in downtown Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning of, of uh, COVID, say March 2020, uh, when they locked my business down, I decided I was hearing all this stuff, mis and disinformation, and uh, I decided I was hearing conspiracy theories and this, that, and the other thing, everything from Klaus Schwab to uh, the jab was Elon Musk's Neuralink and stuff like this, and uh I decided to take, uh, well, the, I unfortunately complied the, with the first lockdown here in Canada, and uh, but it did give me the time to research what was really going on, and uh, yeah, it didn't take me very long before I found um, the policy arm in Canada that's responsible. Well, they admit to being responsible for policies all over the world. But uh, um, I, 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 I quickly found out that that there's a bunch of standardization organizations and policy arms all over the world implementing a thing called biodigital convergence. And it um, mm -hmm. really didn't take me that long. Uh, I, I really just had to Google COVID foresight, and it took me to a biodigital convergence report from this policy arm and then i looked deeper into them and i found out uh the rabbit hole runs really really deep uh, really deep on this one right. but uh yeah yeah so uh in covid the the lockdowns uh i mean that was a perfect time for anyone uh that really didn't have enough time or space to get into researching that was pretty much like the perfect time to get into researching and un uncovering truths that you know we've been seeking for like our entire lives <laughs> like i remember when i was in college uh, i was wondering like what was the difference between a cyborg and android um you know a robot etc so i just started to started to deep dive into that came across uh, the global future 2045 initiative which you're probably familiar with but this one that yes that, yes that, that you're talking about there's uh, i know about uh, 
Yeah, I was, uh, I was like, uh, unfortunately, I think they s- sped this up a lot since then. Um, uh, I think that I think this is being sped up to like 2030 and stuff. Um, and that it's been happening for a while now. It's actually been in the works since probably about 2000, uh, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, if you research like cyber, the history of uh, cyber nanics and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, 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 the stuff is definitely moving in very, very fast. Isn't the 2045 initiative from uh, the so, so, so Soviet Union or? Yeah, it uh, it started in Russia and yeah, it gained various members and supporters throughout uh, the international community uh, in- including the US, uh, you know, gained support even by the uh, director of engineering of Google, uh, Ray Kurzweil, who's a huge yes. huge pusher of the singularity or as uh you you phrase it uh, based off of documents that you've uncovered, uh, the biodigital convergence. So sticking to the biodigital convergence, um, there are are these agencies or um, organizations that uh, that make up the working body of the biodigital I, convergence. They would be standardization groups all over the world. Um, the four major, like that, are everywhere. Um, the International Electrotechnical Commission. They're in 170 plus countries. Um, they're responsible. They say for 10,000 standards and over a million certificates. And these are electrical, like electrotechnical uh, standards. Um, that group also goes to the IEEE, um, who are also everywhere. Um, and the ISO, uh, these are all international standards organizations, and they seem to have full, comp- like, all the governments seem to be in full compliance with this. I've met in the last few years talking about this, because I bring it up to everyone I meet, uh, the ones that are shocked the most are the actual electrical engineers and electricians that are going by their standards every day and don't realize what their standards, they don't realize these standards are regarding bioconvergence until they meet me. And as soon as I like, if I show them policy, I, I usually start off with showing people policy horizons information and, uh, but once I bring up the IEEE and IEC and stuff like this, they're, that gets them interested. And when I show them the documents there, they're, they're in shock. They're in shock, but they're accepting it because they know they're going by these standards. So uh, it's not like all the electrical engineers in the world know this is going on. The majority don't. Uh, there's a select select few in these organizations. Um who seem to be controlling all of it without the actual or like all all the engineers uh, approval or anything like this um i would say those people are be in the iec and ieee be a guy named francois collier and uh, another man named uh 
ENF alkylids. Now, he's in the IEEE, and they call it a different thing. They call it Internet of Bionano things. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they all have different names, all these standardization organizations, although they're all hooked up to the IEC. That's who hooks them all up. Uh, they all have different names for the technologies uh, once you get to their uh, their organization. Um, yeah, they call it like ENF Alkalitz calls it uh, the Internet of Bio Nano Things, which he says started many years ago. Uh, and uh, then there's his star student, Joseph uh, Jornet. Um, and they're writing up reports called Internet of Bio Nano Things, Internet of Nano Things. Then they have Internet of Multimedia Things, Internet of Space Things. Uh, they have all the, all this is readily available for anyone who wants to search, 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 search this stuff up. Then when it gets into ISO, it gets into like different nanotechnologies that are involved in it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a huge rabbit hole that uh, that uh, seems to be all coming from the military industrial complex, and right, and that includes yeah. the uh, the medical industry as well. Yes, it's, it's, sure. it's so so compartmentalized, um, and it's as if they have their own secret language <laughs> as to to identify certain aspects of the let's say so to speak uh, tunnels within the rabbit hole, right? Um, so you could speak on one thing in a certain group and those who are not privy to the information may not know what you're talking about exactly, right? Um, so it's, it's almost like a secret language or coded yes. coded phrases. For, for, for sure, for 100%. Like I don't think, uh, I think it's... Put, put, put out that way so nobody really sees everything that's going on uh i do find the iec explain it the best um they at least explain the actual technologies involved um the uh from there uh like i say it involves uh, everything. Well, as you said, healthcare. This gets into things like nutraceuticals and electroceuticals and all the stuff that's actually in. I would say all the pharmaceuticals and the supposedly uh, uh, um, supposedly natural man medicine that people are purchasing. Uh, that uh, yeah, it, it's a. Uh, it even gets into our clothing. Uh, I don't know if you heard of exoskeletons or anything like that, but you'd probably yeah. see that in the IET stuff. Yeah, it, it gets it gets into so much. It's mind boggling. It's so, mind boggling. So let's st let's start yeah. to dig in a little bit. Uh, the IEC has their own definition of the bio digital convergence, but in your opinion, from what you've uh, researched and investigated so far. What is the biodigital convergence? 
I would, it's where digital technology meets our human biology and not just humans. We're talking animals, we're talking plants, we're talking everything. Um, but uh, they're using all those other technologies to infect us. Um, there's, uh, but yeah, it's where bio, it's where our actual biology meet digital technology, which is definitely, um, uh, as IEC get into cyborgs, they have uh, uh, some stuff there on cyborgs. Um, these uh, technologies that uh, these technologies that they're using are doing things like uh, 3D printing organs inside of us, uh, digital twinning. Um, there's it goes pretty far down but like uh there i would say like it's where our human biology meet digital technology it also gets into geoengineering experiments being involved in these standards um that seems to affect our plants and so 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 soil um probably much more than that uh but definitely they admit to these uh, geoengineering experiments with aerosols being dropped in the sky uh, from planes. Um, so if people are wondering about cloud seeding or chemtrails, according to the IEC, that's involved with standardization opportunities for human augmentation technologies and that the United Nations are involved in it. Um, while well, right. there are standards, sorry? Uh, I was just saying, yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, uh, it's I've there's a book I a kids book. Like, uh, I'm seeing all this programming going on regarding this stuff. There's uh, although adults, most adults, think this is probably a conspiracy theory until they uh, see this information coming from a standardization group or from their government. Um, there's books being printed centered at the kids called future humans and like cyborg kids and stuff like this. And that talk about all these technologies and talk about all these technologies. I would say this has been going on for a long time. According to our government uh, in Canada here, they started publishing stuff like nanotechnologies and food back in 2011. Um, so uh, I would say this uh, it's been going on a long time, but the, uh, it seems the accelerator is COVID. It seems the and it seems like a lot of, a lot of new, newer technologies have been made since around then. Um, I know they're using uh, two and three D materials, which is like graphene oxide and reduced graphene oxide and iron oxide and. From the reports I'm reading, this stuff is in the majority of the foods, it's in the plants, it's in us, it's in all the Nestle products, it's in everything. You know, it's in everything. Uh, I know that's kind of hard to uh, come to grips with, especially if you're trying to avoid these technologies. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is that uh, I didn't take any shots. I didn't take anything that was recommended for COVID from either uh, uh, 
say, Ottawa Health or from anyone on a screen in the last uh, couple of years. There's been all these like truth doctors recommending products because of the jabs and stuff like this. Well, I looked into their products and they have the same stuff in it as the jabs do. They have the same nanomaterials. Yeah. Like they own everything. Here. They own both sides of the story and everybody is uh, unfortunately involved in this bioconvergence whether we like that or not so and it's uh it's an international or a a global effort um as a way to in their own words or in their own opinions as a way to improve uh human performance and even attempt to save the planet uh, there, there are yes. a few companies. A lot of, a lot of people like Elon Musk. I personally am not a fan of Elon Musk. Um, he poses like, like he's a savior fig figure. Um, you know, he's even a member of the, the F- Future of Life Institute, uh, which focuses on existential threats to the planet. And you know, up front, he he claims to want to uh want to prepare us and um you know help help bring in more ethical conversations involving artificial intelligence when he's creating things like Neuralace. Like remember Neuralace. Um that was right before the uh the pandemic, pandemic. Um and Neuralink. You know, a few of these companies, we got Neuralink, BrainGate. We're talking about invasive brain computer interfaces which are implants into uh, human the human nervous system typically within brains uh, we've got Neuralink, BrainGate, Synchron, uh, Medtronic, Neuropace plus all kinds of others and um, so I mean what what's the what do you think the end goal is do you think it's it's total control um, it's total control, brain-computer interface, just like you said, stated. With uh, like when you're bringing Elon Musk, I think a lot of the stuff, like I know definitely that Elon Musk is deeply, deeply involved in this. Um, there, uh, when they're going on about his like invasive brain-computer interface and stuff like this, I think they're using him kind of as a sideshow. Uh, yeah, I, I I think they can do this stuff without an invasive uh, procedure, and I think if people all believe, oh, they need a Neuralink or a brain computer interface from Elon Musk, but they're only using his X or Twitter or whatever, uh, that they completely avoided this. I noticed this big push towards Twitter as soon as Elon got in there. Um, whether it was his truth files, I think he had something called the truth. He did. You know, I, I don't think he called them the truth <laughs> files, but he called them something yeah. like that, you know? Oh, yeah. And there was all there was all these people pushing towards this. And uh, next thing you know, um, the, uh, uh, he, I don't know if you know, he announced recently that he wants a new economy on, on, uh, on X, that he's going to put like an economy on there. And like he's the originators of PayPal and stuff like this. The, I would say the end goal is like brain computer interface, 
uh, a brand new economy, brand new called Next Digital, like Policy Horizons, called the Next Digital Economy. Um, I'd say there's going to be a social credit system in that. Uh, I would say they're hooking up this brain-computer interface stuff with the nanotechnologies inside us, with a bunch of other technologies, including LED lights, uh, smart cities infrastructure. Um, at least that's what the IEC is saying. Anyway, at least that's what they're saying. Um, but uh, I would say that uh, this stuff with Elon and his in invasive brain-computer interfaces is kind of a means to make people think that, oh, I actually have to get a surgery and stuff like this uh, for that, when right. I don't think that's needed. I don't think that's needed. Not at all. But I think he knows it. I think everyone knows. I th I think this the the science community definitely know that. You know, but they're depending on our uh, lack of knowledge on the subject but to he, get all this in. You know, uh, Musk. He he knows how to talk and persuade people for some reason. Um, you know, I believe there was someone about 100 years ago that knew how to psychologically affect people and, and gather a lot of people together under a certain cause. Um, um, it, but the, yeah. But he, he even invested in the mRNA jabs. I don't know if you know that. But uh, no, like I didn't know Elon, that. I thought yeah, it was, he, he did. Go on. He, he speaks like I can even show you the link. If I put, just put Elon Musk and mRNA vaccine cure back, People will find out that they used his CureVac 3D printer, his, sorry, his Tesla 3D printer for this company called CureVac to build mRNA shots. Um, uh, he also, like, there's several, uh, how, can, how should I put this? I remember uh, before the truckers convoy here in Canada, Elon Musk was going on about how he supported the Freedom Convoy and stuff. Now, although he didn't put any money uh, to support the Freedom Convoy, a lot of people listened to him and did. Um, a lot of people now, now uh, since that time, people have had their uh, bank, bank, bank accounts frozen due to that in Canada. Uh, people have also had their crypto wallet seized that supported that. No, guess what Elon Musk got out of that deal? Even though he went on Twitter and said how he supported the Freedom Convoy, he got a great big loan to buy X um, from U.S. and Canadian banks, uh, plus Coinbase, all these different companies. Um, they invested in him purchasing X. Uh, since that time, Elon Musk, uh, last December, I believe, he got his trucks on the road, um, his driverless uh, electric trucks. The, the cyber trucks, um, right? Yeah, he's got them on the road. I would imagine all those truckers who came down here to Ottawa uh, probably lost their jobs by now. Uh, but oh, you're talking Elon, about driverless Elon semis. Great... Driverless semis. Yeah, we're okay, talking about... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got the driverless semis on the road since then. He's got all he's got all this stuff going on, and uh, but yet he supported the Freedom Convoy. Um, but yeah, he also made help make these uh, cure cure back vaccines. Uh, right, and the, like uh, I can share you. The, sorry, I just wanted wanted to say uh, yeah, share that information um, while it's on my mind. You mentioned you mentioned earlier before we. Uh, I believe is before we really got going 
um, before the show was, you know, how you got started was you're hearing um, people talk about Elon Musk's involvement in the uh, in the vaccine, that the vaccine was a, actually a product of Elon Musk. Well, it is interesting it, to, to go back to that cold case <laughs> um, and look at it again. <clears throat> I mean, the timing was interesting. Uh, he briefly came out into the public uh, introducing uh, his Neuralace, not not the Neuralink, which is the, the brain uh, implant, but the Neuralace, which was or is... Uh, it's kind of uh, faded off into the shadows for some weird reason. It's an injectable, uh, pretty much mesh computer network. Correct? Okay. I know. I, d- I didn't know of the seed. Like, I knew about his Neuralink and not his Neuralace. So you're educating me here. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because I saw Elon Musk in a video back in the hard I could I couldn't find it when I was uh, trying to find it about six months ago but I remember him back in a video saying that you didn't need a surgery for his like his I thought he said Neuralink but it would make more sense that he said Neuralace now um so yeah uh, maybe I can find that video by looking up Elon Neuralace because recently I saw him on a video with uh, who's that uh, Joe Rogan um, talking about how he, he needed a surgery for this, <clears throat> but uh, I, yeah, I, I, it, it, that's very interesting because his involvement with the shots with that three D printing, it seems to my knowledge is that a lot of this stuff runs on a three D printed like magnetic m- 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 microfluids. Um, you our government, like everything I'm looking up um, towards those shots, like I'll put 3D printing and mRNA. <clears throat> it was involved with that. Uh, if you put 3D printed magnetic, uh, if you put, sorry, forever and ever 3D printed magnetic li- liquids, you'll be taken to that policy horizons group. And they're saying it's used for a bunch of technologies, including making robots. Okay, including making robots. Now I'm seeing this oh. 3D printing in our. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just never heard yeah. anything like that. I was just kind of yeah, nobody. I I don't think like I think people are stuck on this graphene stuff, but I'll just Google 3D printed magnetic liquid COVID nineteen. That well, it was involved with like the making of the masks. It was involved with the shots. It was involved with. Uh, it now seems to be our food supply. Now the, this document is just from Horizons. This three D printed magnetic forever and ever. And Horizons say, let me let me read this. This is only a short article. Um, in late two, July two thousand nineteen, society scientists at University of Massachusetts developed developed a permanently magnetic liquid for the first time in the field of science using a technique to three D print liquids. Scientists created millimeter sized droplets from oil from water, oil, and iron oxides, and accidentally made the discovery while experimenting. The liquid droplets keep their shape because of some iron oxide particles bind with the surfeit. Sur- 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 surfactants, substances that re- 
reduce the surface tension of a liquid. As a result, this liquid becomes magnetic, able to take various shapes and moved around through external manipulation. The discovery of this new magnetic compound confirms the new and various possibilities offered by 3D printing and materials technology. In terms of engineering changes, this innovation allows us to rethink how two materials are joined. Although we think of magnets as as being in a permanently solid state, they could conform to a variety of shapes and sizes. For example, this liquid compound could produce robots with flexible joints and manufacturing processes with more fluid movements. In addition, magnetic levitation trains trains could perhaps travel using this liquid magnetization. Other possibilities could arise in the medical field, facilitating the creation of fluid joints for patients who need surgery or joint replacements. Could this perhaps lead to a creation of cheaper and more effective joint replacements resulting in, firmer, in fewer pharmaceutical interventions? That's just one article. Um, if that's from this policy arm, then you can go to the National Institute of Health and see 3D printed COVID-19 immunosensors with electronical readout, 3D printing and healthcare response to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, I read those documents. Those are longer ones. And from what I'm reading, they were in everything regarding COVID, like the masks, the shots, uh the even the sanitizer even the sanitizer i was really weary about the sanitizer when it came out <laughs> um <laughs> seriously seriously like it, it was kind of an interesting scenario i think anyone with an investigative mindset uh would would definitely have been a little weary at that at that point in history uh with this oh this new this it's not even new i remember when germex came out i was in fifth grade you know that was probably wasn't too healthy for us because of all the, you know, the additives and stuff. I mean, it was pretty much, you know, <laughs> pretty much liquor uh, in a gelatinous form, but had all these, uh, you know, all these um, other additives to it. But yeah, there's really no telling what was in it during the, during COVID. Uh, I wanted to say one thing here. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> you're talking about 3, 3d printed um, electromagnetic liquids, right? Um it, yeah, and, I can send it. Yeah, and they're talking about using these 3D printed electromagnetic liquids uh, in human beings uh, for medical purposes. For medical purposes. Mm -hmm. So when it's probably in this experimental stage right now, I'd have to say. Um, but going forward, when people start receiving these <sighs> strange. 3D printed electromagnetic liquids uh, into their bodies, and we're we're already dealing with 5G millimeter waves, microwaves, um, going into 6G into the sub terahertz frequencies. What could be the? I mean, what could be the potential uh, reaction that a human being would have having these liquids inside of them that are receiving signals from um, electronic devices, antennas, right? Uh, yes. Couldn't be good. I, I, uh, I would say that we're going to literally be harvesting the energy for 6G through these uh, nanosensors inside of us. Um, there's, and I only believe that because of this IEEE, uh, IEEE that ENF Alkalitz guy, 
Um, he goes on about the internet of bio nano things and how our bodies are harvesting energy for this stuff. I believe um, once group, uh, there was a big magazine who wrote this too. Uh, 6G, let me find it. But I would say like we're becoming the internet. Was it microwave journal? Microwave journal magazine, maybe. Go on though. No, no, I just put it's uh, no, this uh, uh, popular mechanics wrote in January 6, 2023. The future of 6G telecommunications could come from visible light communication. Researchers at the University of uh, Massachusetts, Amish, believe using humans as part of the antenna system offers the most efficient way to harvest waste energy. Um, but yeah, it, it, the lead headline to that is scientists want to use, um, scientists want to use people as antennas to power 6G. Um, now, although that's, yeah, although that story gives very, like, it doesn't really tell you the science behind this, uh, ENF alkalates from the IEEE will explain that if people Google Internet of Bio Nano things, um, he'll definitely explain that. There's several videos of him on YouTube talking about this to actual classrooms, then there's him doing these te- te- teleconferences talking about this too. Um, he, uh, I know that visible light communication they're referring to uh, in that article is regarding LED lights. So I would imagine it has something to do with the LED lights and the sensors inside of us only due to this ENF alkalates, who I think is at top at the very top of the chain here. Um, he's had a history with NASA, like a long history with NASA. Um, he's had a long history with DARPA. Uh, he's had a long history with Georgia Tech. And now he's like the head of BioDano things at this IEEE. And uh, he has a bunch of plans for 6G. He has a ton, a ton of plans for 6G. Um, with the terahertz band that you're talking about, okay? Like he says, the internet of bio nano things runs on the terahertz band, and uh, I would say that's going to get a lot of. Uh, I'd say that's going to harvest our energy through these uh, antennas inside of us. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like five G was really kind of a beta test for six G. You five G. Each antenna has to be approximately 10, 15 feet from one another. And they were a lot of the times shrouded or, you know, or shielded to where people did not know where the antennas were located because they were an eyesore, right? Um, and that is the technical term. It's called shrouding. <clears throat> but they'd, they'd place them, you know, within as close as they could, but pretty much n- no more than 15 feet. And then COVID, right, 5G, the 5G rollout globally, yeah, social distancing, uh, we talked about this before with Candy Vandewalker, um, but uh, yeah, the uh, social distancing six feet apart, it seems to me, and I don't think it's too far off to, to make the claim that there's a possibility human beings were being used as antennas. And we were, they were testing us six feet apart to see if we could be used as um, biological antenna, uh, similar to their 5G antenna. And then 6G 
just takes it to a whole different level though yeah 6g would take it to a whole different level than that and i uh yeah now he he gets into this the cnf alkalates he has like the internet of bio nano things a review of applications there's also the internet of nano bio nano biodegradable and ingestible things that's another one from ian <laughs> i wonder what um, the uh, but, what the acronym is for that one <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's, that's, uh, that's uh, it, it's mind-boggling what these people are getting away with Seriously. Uh, yeah, but man. It, it, it is mind-boggling how they're doing all this without people's knowledge. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about this. But he Ian says we're going into the metaverse in 6G. He says society's going there. So And with holographic people and stuff like this. It seems, uh, it seems more to me that it's not a step in evolution. It's definitely not a step uh, forward. It's a big step backwards. Um, but it's disguised as uh, a step forward or the next stage in human evolution. It's called post-humanism, right? Yes. That's what it's called. Um, yeah. This IEEE, I just looked at, like, they have this study 6G haptic holographic future. Um, that one's not written by Ian, but it's written by, like, the standards organization that he's in and yeah i i don't think this uh, I, personally i don't think these electrical engineers and stuff are going to put themselves in this program at least the ones in the top i don't know i don't think it is a step in evolution i think it's definitely a step behind uh but uh uh, I think we're even going to be like locked down in our homes. And like, if you want to travel to see your family, uh, say a hundred miles away or a thousand or 10,000 miles, um, you're not going to be doing it. Uh, you're going to like, if they, they'll be able to put us in these virtual worlds where we're like seeing our family virtually and stuff. And I think the COVID business, when, people were told to virtually do this and virtually do that or go to a virtual funeral or da, da 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 I think this is all part of it. They're all bringing this in slowly. They're all bringing this in slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very thought out. You know, think of it globally, right? Uh, how do, how does a, a globalist organization um, experiment with technologies that they've wanted to release for a long time. They create a global scenario that forces people into a space of which they would have to adapt to and accept these new technologies and use them, become part of it, and even potentially uh, be harvested from it. I know that I know that sounds kind of strange, but uh, it seems it it appears to me to be a total man, uh, step, um, a manipulative step um, for total con total global control over organic humanity and um, a way to attempt to entice um, human beings into uh, the next step forward, which really 
makes human beings, when they become cyborgs or when they become augmented and willfully or unwillfully accept um, electromechanical or electromagnetic devices um, and materials into their body, um, they can be controlled remotely. Uh, it, it seems as if it's the millennial version of a human holocaust. I I call this. I actually I I I sometimes call call this the Horizons Holocaust. And uh, wow, yeah, yeah, I do. Through that, there's uh, there's I don't know if you've well, you know, I showed you that policy Horizon stuff, but there's a Horizons EU and there's a Horizon Scanning Initiative. I have. I would say it originated with this Horizon Scanning Initiative. Um, there, it seems that came out of Israel. And uh, uh, I'm watching this Policy Horizons. Um, they call themselves a think tank here, and they're just right down the road from me. But they're the most influential policy arm in the Canadian government. I've been watching them meet with Israel Intelligence uh, three times in the last few years, and that's how I found out about the Horizon Scanning Initiative from Doctor Victor Israel, who's been seeing Horizons. And uh, it seems this has been going on a long time, and that. Uh, yeah, so I call it the Horizons Holocaust at times. Yeah, uh. yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I, I think we're at a, a point in history where we we need to do literally whatever it takes to preserve our humanity, because um, we're being pulled in so many directions, and some people are just acting out of fear rather than uh, rather than doing their own research, um, which, I mean, do I blame them? Not really, but, but, you know, come on, you know, everyone, we all have the opportunity to do our own research at this, at, again, in this point in history. So we should not make quick, uh, potentially, um, soulless decisions yeah, or decisions that could take our humanity, our and our soul away from us. Um, what what's sacred to me about being created in by God? Um, what's sacred about human beings is we understand that we have the ability to make choices on our own, and when our own free will is taken away from us potentially through some type of brain implant or some type of injectable. I have a huge, huge problem with that um, on a scale, on a scale that is beyond words because to me, uh, and I've thought about it for a long, long time, many times, the gift of free will is the greatest gift we were ever given. And we cannot allow that to be taken away uh, for science or, you know, potential um, brain hacking or quote scientific advancements. We can't. We can't do that. And they're they're using <clears throat> advancements in, you know, in mil uh, the military industrial complex and the medical 
medical sciences and medical community as a way to push it and actually convince people. Yes, they're definitely doing that. They had to push a lot of fear to do that. And I think that, uh, uh, how should I word this? I think they realized that nobody would accept this. Like there isn't any society that would reasonably accept these technologies coming in um, without question. Um, so they are using words like vaccine and they are poisoning our food supply and they are doing geoengineering experiments. It's by any means necessary at this point for them, I think. Um, what does give me some hope is that like I, I talk to people about this every single day, every day. Um, everyone I literally every every person that comes in the store every time I'm on the street if I get chatting with someone doesn't matter I've stood outside the University of Ottawa passing out pamphlets to Horizons um, I even had a group discussion on this with the community um, for a while um, the majority are questioning the documents I'm showing them um, there, I, I was thinking it might come a point where they won't even like question this stuff. Um, the majority are questioning it, and that's what gives me hope. They don't understand it. It's very, very difficult to understand, uh, like a lot of these technologies. But uh, I've, I've gotten some great feedback from lots and lots of people. Uh, the best feedback I could say is I got from. Young student that came to my store uh, who admitted to taking three mRNA shots. Oh, you're sounding kind of strange the... right now. Um, sounds like sounds like you uh, you're like on the radio or something. Sounds like I'm on the radio. Let me try to fix that. Uh... <laughs> it went to like you know, like flash to an FBI agent tapping the phone call kind of sound. Yeah, it's, Th there it's we happened go. like that a couple of times on my end too now since, uh, since we started this. Okay, you, uh, said, you, <laughs> you, said, you sound fine now. Okay, go on. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No worries. Um, well, she, she, she came back to the store about a month later and uh, told me she read up on the, all this stuff and she clearly did. She knew the standard standard organizations she knew what horizons was planning she knew about smart cities and her she told me she was brought it up to a couple of her friends who are questioning it too um even though i'm sure they're probably in the same situation as she was maybe took a couple shots uh considering they're all students at the university and had to um but uh she came back here and she felt the only way oh was literally to inform everybody in our communities right now like a door-to-door -door kind of movement awesome and and anyone who questioned this information that uh, we, we would start an ethics committee by the people um, with no scientific community in it and if we had any issues like whatever issues we did have uh, we could try to work around those as a community. And she felt this way because uh, she seemed to feel after she read these documents that the smart cities were involved. 
And uh, I would agree with her that the smart cities are definitely the end goal here is to put us in a new economy with these smart city infrastructure where we literally can't get out of them. Um, she felt we'd have a lot more power in the uh, m- m- municipal levels of our government than we would ever in the provincial or federal here. And I agree with her there, too. Uh, she also said if they didn't l- listen to us or answer our questions, we'd probably be large enough to tear the infrastructure down ourselves and and at least cause enough problems where the majority would see what was really happening. And, uh, uh, and I have to say I agree with her there, too. I couldn't believe the input from a young lady who went back home and actually read the articles, you know. Yeah, and, that, that's, uh, that that's awesome. Me, yeah, that gave me a lot of hope. That gave me a lot of hope. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing anyone really doing that. Uh, but I I do think that if we were managed to organize in our communities, that's where the change happens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think they want us online all day, sharing this information and just being online, trapped online, da 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 not really talking to any real humans about this at a human level. Um, and uh, if that's what they want, they've succeeded, at least on the truther side of things, you know? Um, they've, they've unfortunately succeeded there because I am having lots of luck uh, sharing this information to real humans that I meet every day. And that's very, very encouraging to me. Although not all people are ready for this and some find it too much. Um, there are, I would say the majority are interested in talking about this now to the point that I've had several students ask me to go to the university and talk about this. Um, I even had a professor at the local university who comes to the store that I showed this information to. Um, he went back and he brought this information, just one article up to his classroom uh, called Canada Beyond 150 Capital and Debt. It's about a new social credit system um, from Horizons. And he said at the end of the class, he said, if anyone is interested in this stuff, there's a lot more information at horizonsgc.ca. And some of those students went back. And back, like some of those students looked into Horizons, went back to him and asked them, like, why aren't professors talking about this? Why is nobody talking about this stuff? They're talking about giving us brain implants. And uh, he told them to come talk to me. And several have and asked me to go to the university and talk about it. Unfortunately, the university doesn't want me to talk inside about this, but I do stand outside and pass out pamphlets and, uh, start the conversation there uh but uh if i think they sort of feel i've also spoken to professors that want to talk about this but feel they're going to be canceled out like jordan peterson these are their own words i don't know if you've heard of jordan peterson but he's a canadian that uh in my opinion hasn't been canceled out at all but sort of appears online that he may have been uh, due to his thoughts. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think everybody feels very, very intimidated by what they're seeing online, whether it's someone being canceled out, someone being removed on social media, da-da-da-da-da. Um, 
that they sort of feel intimidated to talk about this, to, even though a lot of people out there actually know this information or at least parts of it. They do. Yeah. They understand it's happening. I think you, you, you know? should you should start your own ethics committee. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't have to be registered, trademarked, or you know, copywritten necessarily. It could just be a just a group of local people coming together to discuss uh, a common issue that they have with uh, with technology. I don't know what it what you'd call it, but I think you could do it certainly. But um, at this point, we're going to have to uh we're not ending the podcast yet um i wanted to ask you a strange question though um (laughs) what is a cyborg slayer as uh compared with a uh, a vampire slayer um maybe going into the future cyborg slayers as uh, i believe cyborgs i mean some of these people they're just uh technological vampires and that's what they want to transform themselves into to live forever. They're technological vampires. So going forward, cyborg slayers may become more uh, more common. Um, <laughs> so what is a cyborg and what is a, what's the difference between a cyborg and a cyborg slayer? Um, this is actually the first time I heard cyborg slayer. But uh, I would say a cyborg slayer is somebody... Um, Somebody like you. Uh, I would say a cyborg slayer is somebody like you who is not very happy with cyborg society. And myself, I'll add myself into that equation. And uh, I would say you're a cyborg slayer. And I would say that we could all be cyborg slayers if we decided to make ethics committees in our communities (laughs) against these technologies and decided to point our efforts towards where we can actually make change and that would first come with educating society regarding what's happening absolutely and you know it first starts with (laughs) with uh with uh, having a conversation and and that's where it all starts that's where it it all starts that's where any any effort uh for a good cause uh for any cause starts and um james scott mckillop uh this has been an awesome awakening uh, conversation with you. You gave me so many more clues uh, and acronyms that I was uh, unfamiliar with. So um, before we before we wrap up this podcast, this is podcast number 64 on the biodigital convergence. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, within the, the next few minutes? I would like to say anybody who's listening to this, please Google biodigital convergence of um, uh, from the uh, policy horizons IEC. Uh, it's Internet of Bio Nano Things, the IEEE. Uh, I, I really hope people will spend some time trying to find out the truth here because all the information is up there and readily available for anyone and nobody wants this. Nobody wants this new society they're planning. Nobody. So uh, the time is now. That is correct. And don't let anyone convince you that it is for your own good or that you want it or that you need it. And with a call to actions podcast, podcasted on all networks, we do this completely independent. Uh, just myself, my wife, Kimberly Schultz. We're on 
uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all those. Um, our guest here, James Scott McKillop, investigative researcher and owner of the bookstore in Ottawa known as Barely Brews Books. So if you're in Ottawa, check it out. Check it out. It'll be fun. Uh, I've seen photos of of your of your shop, and I I would get lost. I'd have to stay in there all day, literally. Um, so yeah, check it out. And on behalf of Kimberly Schultz and all of our uh, supporters, this is Bobby Vaughn Jr. checking out, and I'm going to leave you with a song. This is from an old old school punk band called Cold War. Uh, the song is called The Machinist. Enjoy. Have a good night, Bobby. Thank you. Okay. All righty. God bless, brother. God bless. Come to the